Well, hey, good morning. We're excited that you chose today to worship with us. And we're excited to have you a part of what God's doing in Kennesaw Family Life Church this year. And with this series, Reflecting the Light, we're in part four of that. It's the new series we started at the beginning of the year. Last year, we asked God to help us to become disciples who are disciple makers. We want to bring anyone we can on this journey with Jesus as possible. And one of the ways that we do that is our focus for this year, reflecting the light. We learned in John 1 that Jesus is the light of the world, that he brings the light into the darkness, that the darkness cannot overcome the light, and Jesus is that light. And we want to reflect that light in the way that we live. And that's what this whole series is about. We're filtering through the book of John. You got the four Gospels. You got Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are the synoptic Gospels. They kind of follow the same trend and pattern, just written from different points of view. And then you have John that takes a whole different approach to the ministry that Jesus had while he walked on the earth. The Gospels are the story of Jesus. The things that he did, the things that he said. And so we're studying Jesus' life so that we can learn how to reflect Him. We want Him so ingrained in our lives that we reflect Him wherever we go, that lives of the people around us will be drawn to Him. So that's our job as followers. So in this study, we're in chapter 2, and we're going to a point in ministry where we see Jesus' first public miracle, which is, it's kind of an interesting one. It's, It's a little different than what we might imagine. So if you're familiar with the story, you'll know where I'm going with this. If not, let's dig into John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Read now the New Living Translation. It says, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time is not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars um, had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone had had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, they went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. Here we have one of the most interesting miracles in Scripture. What's interesting about it is Jesus takes something very ordinary and does something very extraordinary with it. I titled this message Ordinary, and we'll talk about that for a little bit, because there's a couple points that I want to take from this passage of Scripture, and it has absolutely nothing to do with 
Jesus and wine. Although his first miracle was turning water into wine, the reason that was so significant was that in that time period, these wedding festivals would go on, these wedding feasts sometimes would go on for like seven days. Could you imagine? And the host, the bridegroom, the, the, the groom's family, they would supply food and drink for this. And wine was a very important part of that. In that Jewish tradition, wine was a sign of peace. Wine was a sign of hope. And so they would have wine during those meals. It was very common in that time to do that. And so when you're hosting this party and the wine was running out, especially if you run out of wine, that's this place of great embarrassment. I took this, there's a guy by the name of Stephen Rung, and I took this from a little side note in, in the uh, commentary that I was reading, the Faith Life commentary. It says a successful event, this is talking about a wedding feast, a successful event would have brought honor to the groom, his family, and the village where they lived. Running out of wine would have dishonored the guest and brought shame to all of those that were involved. Could you imagine? This was much more than just a private wedding event like what we have today where you invite a few friends. You might, you know, big weddings, a few hundred people. Most weddings are pretty intimate. They're family and a few friends. And the expectations are a little bit different. They're expensive though. But you, could you imagine in this time, weddings were a celebration. They were something that was more than, it was like the social event of that time. And so your standing, your status, the parts of your life were all wrapped up into this. And if you're a host and you fall short in those areas, it would, it would cause you embarrassment. It could cause you to lose business. It could cause you to lose favor with those that are around you. I know that sounds crazy to us, but that's what would happen. That was part of the Jewish culture. And so here's some things that, that I think we can take away from this passage. It really has very little to do with the actual miracle of the wine itself. I think it's pretty unique. And it, it, here it is. First thing is this. Jesus cares about the ordinary. Jesus cares about the ordinary. What do I mean by that? With this being such a social event, Jesus was not at a place right now that he was ready to become a public figure. That wasn't his, he said, my time has not come. His mom knew he was extraordinary. She, you know, she was a virgin when he was born. She knew that he was a miracle, that he was the son of God. His disciples, remember, he just brought some disciples with him and he invited them last week to come and see He's got them there with him at the wedding. But his time for public miracles, his time for the ministry had not yet come to that place where he wanted to be public with it. He was still gathering his team. He didn't attend this wedding to put the attention on him. He was there as a guest. You ever been around somebody that they've always got to be the center of attention, no matter if the event has anything to do with them or not, they're going to do things to make people... That wasn't what Jesus was about. He was there as a guest. He was there to celebrate this wedding because he loved wedding. He loved celebrating people. Can you get that in? Can you imagine Jesus went to a social event? He went to a party to hang out, to have a good time. They danced, they laughed, they ate. That was a part of it. He was there for celebration. 
not to do miracles. This wasn't a time of ministry as we would call it. It wasn't like a pastor going to pray or to preach or whatever. He was there to celebrate. And now this time has come and his mother says, hey, I know you can do something about this. Why don't you go do it? And he's like, now he wasn't being disrespectful when he said, woman, my time has not yet come. That was a common phrase. Um, It was not a disrespectful statement. But he said, look, what would you have me to do about this? This is not my problem. This is not my problem. It's not my time. It didn't even seem to phase Mary. Think about this for a second. She didn't argue. She didn't rebut. She just turned to the servant and said, do whatever he says. And I'm sure Jesus is like, oh, okay. You know, I guess I'm going to do this. And that's fine. He knew what was going to happen. But he's, he says, look, it's not my time. But Mary, being persistent, says, I want you to do this. And Jesus honors his mother and the host by doing this miracle. By turning the water into wine, he saved the host from embarrassment and public shame by the running out of the... He's doing something. This is an ordinary event. Now I get it's a celebration. It's bigger than just everyday life. But he took something. He cared about something that was important, not necessarily to eternity as far as somebody's life being changed forever, But he took that moment and honored the host. He honored his mother. He took something that was ordinary and honored it. Performed his first miracle. I think that is pretty amazing. He did not get any recognition for it. Actually, because it wasn't the right time, the only people that knew were his disciples, his mother, and the servants. The host had no idea where this came from. The master of ceremonies is giving him a pat on the back. Man, you did a great job. Look, you brought out the best wine last. That's unusual. That's unheard of. Actually, it was common practice because, look, it's expensive to feed all those people. To dilute the wine as the celebration went on, to add a little water to it, to make it go a little further, that was common practice. It wouldn't have been a shameful thing at all. They were there to celebrate. They were there because they were excited. And Jesus cared about the little details in their lives. And he did something extraordinary, which leads me to the second thing. Jesus uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. That's something that I think is very interesting out of this. Not only does he care about the ordinary, does he care about those details in our lives? But he used something ordinary to do extraordinary things. He took what was available to him and used it to do this miracle. He didn't just turn water into wine. He turned it into the best wine. He took these jars, these jars that were sitting there. They're there for cleansing. They're there for the ceremonial cleansing. And he said, look, fill these up with water. And when you dip it out, give it to the master of ceremonies. And it wasn't just wine. It wasn't the cheap stuff. It was the best. Jesus can take what is simple, what is ordinary, and make it better than what we could imagine, the best of the best. When we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives, when we follow 
Jesus on his mission and allow our lives to be used of him. He could take our ordinary lives and make them far better than what we could ever imagine. And I'm not talking about giving us fame and fortune and all that stuff that really has no meaning. But I'm talking about giving us an extraordinary life, a life full of joy, a life full of peace, a life full of impact, reflecting him and seeing lives changed for eternity where it really does matter. Don't you want your life to reflect on eternity, to see lives in heaven because of you? I'm a pretty ordinary person. I don't know about you. But God likes to use the ordinary. I thought of something. I thought of a miracle. And a lot of the miracles, and a lot of the miracles throughout Old Testament and New Testament, God would take ordinary things and do miraculous things. But one that caught my attention is out of John chapter 9. There was a man that was blind from birth. And there was a conversation going on, but Jesus, he chose to heal that man. But this, listen to how he chose to heal him. In John chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, says this, Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. And he told him, Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means, Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back and could see. Jesus took spit and in dirt, made mud, smeared it on the guy's eyes, tells him to go wash his eyes, and he could see. That's ordinary. That's even below ordinary. Could you imagine if you were sitting there in, in your doctor, in your doctor's office, and you, you've got something that needs to be taken care of, you've got an issue that needs to be taken care of, and the doctor looks around and spits in the bowl, gets a little dirt, and mixes it around, says, hey, rub this on it. You'd be looking at your doctor like, what in the world are you doing? Are you insane? That's exactly what Jesus did. He spit on the ground. He made mud and he packed it on his eyes. Something ordinary. He used to do something extraordinary. Jesus could have simply spoke the words and the man would have been healed. We saw instances where Jesus would just speak and somebody would be healed, not even in proximity. We saw where people would just touch his robe and be healed. Jesus could do it any way he wanted to, but he chose to use something very ordinary to do something very extraordinary. I think that's what's true in our lives. I don't know about you, and I I think most of us around us, we're pretty ordinary, average people. Even the people that we look up to, even though they may excel in sports or these different areas and arenas, are average, everyday people. God chooses to use us when we yield our lives to Him, when we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives. He chooses to use us, ordinary people, to do extraordinary things. He wants to do that. He desires to do that in us. Jesus loves to use the ordinary because when He uses the ordinary, He shines brighter. Because we know that it's through His power that those things are happening. We are just a part of that. We are an extension of that. He told us before when Jesus was ascending into heaven, and we went through Acts last year, but in Acts chapter 1a, he said that when I leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he said he would do in Acts 1a. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These guys were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were ordinary Jewish men 
that God chose to do extraordinary things through them. He loves to use the ordinary. Now what's beautiful about that is God equips us with certain gifts and talents, and when we allow the Holy Spirit in, He not only allows us to use those gifts and talents, He he magnifies them through the power of the Holy Spirit in extraordinary ways. He takes our lives and He amps it up a bit, and we become a reflection of Him. He People can see God working through us. This power of the Holy Spirit turns our ordinary lives into extraordinary lives. And God God can and will use us in ways that are beyond our our abilities, but it begins with obedience. Do you remember last couple weeks ago we learned about John the Baptist? And how John the Baptist was doing something that was out of the ordinary, baptizing Jews for the repentance of their sins, to do something extraordinary, to reveal who the Messiah was. John was obedient, and out of his obedience, he reflected the light of Jesus. Remember, he revealed the light of Jesus out of his obedience. That's what God's calling us to do. When we allow our ordinary lives to reflect him, to allow the Holy Spirit to come into us, we reveal Jesus in a new way. So I want to just kind of bring all of this back around And talk about the results of what happens when we allow God to use the ordinary in our lives to do something extraordinary. The first thing, the two things that we can can learn from this. First is Jesus cared enough to save the host the embarrassment of running out of wine. Jesus cares about the little details in our lives. That's the first thing we can learn is that Jesus cares about the ordinary. He cares about those small details in our lives. If you look at Luke 12, 6 and 7, it says, What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins. Yet God does not forget a single one of them. The very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. He's saying, look, I care about every detail of your lives. Jesus cares about every detail. The thing that makes that so important and so significant is we often forget to include Him into those small parts of our lives. We tend to compartmentalize our lives and we we pray to God over the big things. God, man, give me some favor at work so I can supply food for my family. God, I need healing in my body. My friends, my family need healing. We pray over the big things. God, give me direction for my life. But we don't ask God for the simple things. We don't ask God to be a part of our everyday lives, to come into us and to fill us from the moment we wake up to the the moment we go to bed, to allow our lives to be a reflection of Him, no matter what we're doing, the most mundane, ordinary things to the very extraordinary things. Jesus wants to be a part of all of those moments. So I want you to remember that as we draw into Him, as we get closer to God and we allow Him to fill those parts of our lives, He's going to be a part of every detail. Not just the big ones. The little ones too. And the second thing is, This was the point when the disciples believed in Jesus. In verse 11, the miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed His glory 
and his disciples believed in him. The miracle was not known to everyone that was present, but it showed his disciples, it confirmed to them who he really was. They kind of said, you know, remember, he's calling them to, to come and see. And he's saying, look, I'm this teacher. And they're, they're kind of, John the Baptist has said, well, you know, he's the Messiah. But they're like, yeah, a lot of people have said they're the Messiah, but could this Jesus guy really be it? And they're following him and they're excited. And they, 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 he has charisma. They know at the very least he's a, a prophet or a teacher. But then they see this miracle. And they start to believe that he's the Messiah. It starts to solidify their faith. They see this very ordinary act. Very ordinary item become extraordinary through the power of Jesus. Whenever we allow God to show up in all areas of our lives, He not only shows up, He shows off. He does something extraordinary beyond our thoughts and abilities. Beyond what we think is possible. So what that means for us is is that when we allow Jesus into every part of our lives, when we begin to reflect Him He'll take our ordinary, everyday lives and turn them into something extraordinary. What if I told you that when you wake up on Monday morning, and you get up and pray and you say, God, whatever you have for me today, I just want to honor you. I, I need you in my life. I, I, want to, I want you in every part of my life. And then you begin to live in such a way that day that you begin to expect God to do something extraordinary in your ordinary day. I guarantee you, God will give you opportunities and God will show up in the simplest things and you'll see the power of God working in your life through favor in your job and, or wherever you're doing that day to maybe a conversation that draws somebody a little bit closer to Him. God's going to use that day. He doesn't waste a bit of time. He doesn't wait a, waste a bit of energy. He will use that day for Him in extraordinary ways, even your ordinary day. So I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to allow Jesus to be a part of your everyday life. He works really well with ordinary. He works really well with taking the ordinary and turning it into something extraordinary. And He wants to do that in and through you. He wants to take your life and do something extraordinary in it. Not because you have to go and do these huge things, but just be obedient. Just like we learned from John the Baptist, just be obedient every day to follow Him, to allow Him into your life. And you will reveal Jesus everywhere you go. That's my challenge for you. I want to pray over you this morning. And let's pray that God will take our ordinary lives, you and me, and if you're extraordinary, awesome. He can take you and amp that up too. But I think most of us are pretty ordinary. He wants to take our ordinary lives and use them for extraordinary things. That's not a pressure thing. That's just a release thing. That's a, hey, God, I'm going to fall back into your arms. And together, we're going to do some pretty awesome things. We're going to see lives changed. Do you want to see lives change? Do you want to see the people around you affected by the power of the Holy Spirit to see them come to relationship with Jesus? I know I do. 
That's our mission. That's what He's called us to do, to be disciple makers. It comes out of our obedience. It comes out of allowing God to work in us and through us in the ordinary every day. So let's pray. Father, I just ask right now that you would take our ordinary, average lives. That you would fill us with your Spirit, Lord. We want to surrender to you today. To allow you to fill us today with your power. Lord, I ask that you would take our lives. That you would use us. Help us to reflect you in all that we do. Lord, we pray for our favor, or for your favor in our jobs, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, wherever we go. Lord, we want to be open to whatever you have for us. Lord, those areas that we have trouble putting the walls down. Lord, I pray that you would help us to surrender each area of our lives. That we would not compartmentalize, but allow you in. And Father, I pray that you would take this ordinary life, that you would do something extraordinary with it. I want to reflect you today, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give us opportunities to reflect you wherever we go throughout this week. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Please, if you need prayer, if you're confused about anything, if you just need somebody to pray with you, click the prayer button. Let one of our hosts pray with you. We love you, and we're excited to be on this journey with you. Have a great week.